Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network, live in this fancy, fancy new studio. Aaron Dugan, I'm Braden Gall. Where are we, Aaron? Tell everybody where we are right now. We're at the Cast Collective on Music Row. Um, it's it, I don't officially live here, but I kind of do symbolically. <laughs> um, it's not that new. I mean, it's kind of new. It's true. It's not new. I'm sorry. It's a year. It's new for our show. It feels like really fast and very, very, very much longer than a year at the same time. <laughs> Uh, that's what called uh, it's called owning your own business, and that's what what happens to time. It turns into a flat circle. So, lots of fun stuff today on the show. Arkansas quarterback KJ Jefferson is going to join us a little bit later on. We've got about 15 minutes with the number one quarterback in the SEC, Aaron. He complained when I asked him what's wrong with the media these days. He complained that we get our rankings wrong. So we're going to do an entire ranking show. <laughs> on the episode in which K.J. Jefferson appears, because he is the number one quarterback, according to our magazine, Athlon Sports. You can order him now, athlonsports.com. Uh, he is the number one preseason all-SEC quarterback. In the, so he can't complain. that much more painful if you indeed are wrong, <laughs> and it's encompassed in the episode and packaged with K.J.'s interview. But then it would be K.J.'s fault, and he would be, it would be his fault that he's not the first I team all-SEC quarterback, wouldn't it? I mean, he was very gracious with his time. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, KJ I feel like Jefferson. we're missing the point here. <laughs> <laughs> but here's what we're going to do today. Uh, Aaron, before we tell everybody um, if they want to use this beautiful, lovely space for an event, if you're from outside of Nashville and you want to mm -hmm. come into town and use the event for a nice little party, you're coming into town to, I don't know, go to a Taylor Swift concert or something. Host an event here. Host an event here. You can do a podcast here. You can get your photos taken. Any video production. We can do on and off site video production. Basically, if it has like, a camera or buttons or something technologically <laughs> associated with it, we can do it. Or you can host a party. If it's got a dongle. It's Aaron. not what the website says, but yeah. it's a more <laughs> succinct way to say it. If it's got a dongle, Aaron's got you covered. Um, no, here's the deal. For all you guys that are listening, if your wife is coming or your future wife is coming to Nashville for a bachelorette party, which is probably true, probably all of you, then and are. you want to have a little party, a gathering space that's walkable to all the best things to do in Nashville – you have a party at Aaron's place, Cast yep. Collective. There you mm -hmm. go. So that is where we are today. And what we're going to do today on the show is give you exactly where every single team is ranked in the Athlon Sports preseason top 25. You are hearing it first. You're hearing it before anybody else, before magazines have actually been shipped into stores. You're getting the rankings first. Are you supposed on this to be show. doing this? I am not sure. Okay. <laughs> Ask for forgiveness is I, the best. That, I, th this, is what we, this is why we care about you, the audience. We care about you, the Fringe Element audience, more than anything else. Phone starts ringing Wednesday morning. Brayden, did you release the rankings before the rankings were released? It's not going to eat up all the internet traffic. They'll be fine. Okay. Okay. KJ Jefferson, just to start, is the number one preseason All-SEC quarterback. Number two is Will Rogers from Mississippi State. Number three is Jaden Daniels from LSU. Do you have a problem with that, Aaron? I'm going to make you – you're going to kind of reverse roles here today, and you're going to sort of ask us about how we put the magazine together. Um, and I'm going to play the role of us. Rogers. Daniels. Yes, KJ Jefferson, first team All SEC. Congratulations! I know it's a big honor. Uh, Will Rogers, second team All SEC from Mississippi State. Jaden Daniels, third team. I might personally vote Devin Leary from Kentucky, but it's a group exercise. This magazine, I only represent the group. What are you basing? Show. Is that how they work? Is that how they work with the system, or is it just them as individual players? It's a little bit of both. I think it's projecting what they're going to accomplish this year. It's how good they have been in the past. It is sort of a combination of all things. There's giant. I mean, we just had what five guys drafted. We just had three guys, two guys go in the first round, two guys go in the top four. You had Bennett, Levis, and Hendon Hooker go in the second, third, and fourth rounds. 
this league just lost a ton of talent. And so it's some of it is how good you are, how good is your team going to be, how statistically productive are you going to be, and how and how like what's what do we project you out to be? Which is again why no disrespect to Will Rogers, I would probably have Devin Leary as my third team, maybe Jaden Daniels as second team. Yeah, I was going to ask you, the Jaden Daniels thing seems a little bit low. Probably, I think. Especially since how LSU's offense deals with, like, you know, like pass protection and all of that. I feel like in the <laughs> system, that makes more sense, like, for him. I think Rodgers, he's got a the bigger adjustment without Mike Leach, RIP. Uh, without Mike Leach, he will have the biggest adjustment. And I think expecting Rodgers to go for what he's done in the past, that's probably a bit of a projection on our part from Athlon to put him at number two. So I think I can I, can, I understand why we've mm-hmm. done that, but at the same time, I just think we are vastly underselling Devin Leary at Kentucky, Liam Cohn, the new offensive coordinator. We'll get to some of this stuff as we talk the rankings, but uh, I just wanted to, to to give give you fans that listen to this show some red meat, some off season rankings that you're not going to get anywhere else because you cannot get these rankings anywhere else because they've been embargoed on. I'm breaking those rules for you. This is like a, this is like like a Lacare novel for those of you that know anything about literature. <laughs> How did you, so, so, cause you're a big lit guy. Big, big, especially uh, British lit, yep. Um, when you talk about Will Rogers and the adjustments he's gonna have to make, obviously there is like big changes, you know, with Mike Leach and everything, but how do you think that, you know, the offense overall is gonna have to adjust to playing in a little bit of a different, from a different place? And how does that affect him? I think that's a great question, and we'll talk about it when we talk about where Mississippi State is ranked. Okay, well then let's. That? Okay, well how you're clearly in charge, so let's just we go gotta down get, the list. We got to get into these rankings because we got 14 teams to tell you about, and we got to tell you where they're ranked. That's good math. So, number one, shockingly, and I'm not sure what questions you have, Aaron. The Georgia Bulldogs at number one. We did an entire episode just a couple weeks ago on who on planet Earth can beat this team. So. Any disagreement on your part with Georgia at number one? No, I don't think so. Um, the I do think that Georgia, I think the system is strong enough with, you know, kind of what they built. And we've talked about this a lot about once you become like where Georgia is now or where we're used to Alabama being, you can plug and play a little bit more. And I'm not saying that to discredit the talent that you have to have in those positions, but just makes it a little, there's a little bit more margin for not even error, but just uh, who you can plug into those places. I do think we need to remember that Carson Beck is not yet Stetson Bennett, so don't expect for him to be. Um, and maybe going to look a little bit more like Aaron Murray than Stetson Bennett. So Wow, that'd be pretty good. I mean, just... Sling, I, it's, he's the all-time SEC record holder for yards, I believe. I just mean, like, the the way that they play. I think Stetson Bennett... Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, people at Georgia don't... I mean, obviously, no one at Georgia is... Uh, steering away from giving Stetson Bennett credit, but there is going to be a little bit of a. He's more of a po- Carson Beck is more of a pocket passer, and so like this was our argument a couple weeks ago on the show about about like all right, make the case against Georgia. How do you argue against Georgia? The only argument is they have a new quarterback, they have a new offensive coordinator, they've given they've put twenty two, twenty five players into the NFL draft the last two years. Three peating has never been done before. It's incredibly difficult. Complacency is the thing that Kirby Smart is battling. Oh, by the way, everyone's driving $100,000 cars at 140 miles an hour. Like, people aren't told no. It's all about, like, other stuff that, that is mm-hmm. the case against Georgia. And maybe we're just giving them too much benefit of the doubt. That could be possible. Mm. 
I, I don't. They've also I, done things as a team that hadn't been done before, like right. as, and within the Georgia program. So I, you know. Well, and I can't. Again, we tried to make the argument. There's no like Michigan's better than Georgia. You gonna you gonna put your money on that? Mm-mm. No, Georgia's number one in the nation. So there you go. And when Braden says money, he means five dollars. That's that's technically factually true. That is yeah. in fact money. Number two in our rankings, the Michigan Wolverines. Number three in our rankings, the Alabama Crimson Tide, which means we are essentially picking them to lose one game this season. That sounds right. At most. If they're getting into the playoff as the three seed. I don't have their schedule in front of me, but. It's a lot to buy into Alabama. In fact, it's hard for me to sell them at three, honestly. Would you have put, who would you have put there? Well, they went and got Buckner in the portal. I think USC's got the clear path. I might have USC at three. Which we talked about why they went and got Buckner from the portal. Mm-hmm. And do you still believe that what we talked about last week is the reason? Or are you having more doubts about that there's more meaning behind going and getting him? Because last week we were mm. like, oh, Nick Saban's like, why the F not? And it was probably a sell from the OC. I am torn on what to do with Bama. Okay. We are torn. I'll say that. Me and Steven last week has been on the show many times. Steven and I. Uh, Steven and I. Well, it, w- it, was, at the, it was a compound sentence. Um, no, I think we are torn on what to do with Bama. Because Bama deserves, like Georgia, a large benefit of the doubt. They have the best coach in the history of the world, and they have proven that they can bounce back quickly from, from mistakes. They lost two games on a grand total of two plays last year, so they were pretty damn close to being undefeated. But they also replaced Bryce Young. But their, co- their coordinator changes might be better. They might be better along the offensive line. They might be better at receiver. But I- there's still – Two coordinator changes, which I think are, but I think they're good. I think they. I think they are too, but I don't. You think they take a second? I mean, maybe, maybe not at Alabama. Maybe. maybe it's it's easy to plug and play coordinators like you do players, but there's a more complexity to that. Yeah, I think fans were not upset when they left mm-hmm. when Golding went to Ole Miss and O'Brien went to the Patriots. So, I I just think I I think Bama is one of the most difficult teams to pinpoint. They are going to be very good. Yeah, they have very good players with a very good coach. And I like the coaching changes. The question is, are they good enough to be 11-1 and in Atlanta or 12-0 and in Atlanta, lose to Georgia, and still make the playoff? And I think that is the question. It's, you know this, Aaron. The argument for Bama is always around the, mar- the margins. It's always on the edges. It's like, are they going to be, like, really good or really, really, really good? And I don't yeah. – I think they're between one and three reallys is what they – you know, like – yeah. Really good is like ten and two. Really, really, really good is twelve and zero. Oh, and I, they're they're probably two reallys. What does Alabama That's science, by the way? What does Alabama sure. keep in place from last year that gave y'all even the ability to put them in that spot? I mean, it's yeah. Alabama, but like I mean, to put them there to begin with, what do they keep? One one eighty five. Besides Saban. Well, yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> uh, their front seven's really good, even without Will Anderson. I think they're gonna be super super salty in the front seven. Their secondary's got some bodies they got to replace, especially at safety. But again, I think the key is that they are kind of better everywhere on offense, other than the quarterback position. Yeah. Their their offensive line problems were the issues last year. I think Bill O'Brien, the coordinator, was kind of the issue last year to some degree. So I think they are better. Again, this is what makes them difficult to pinpoint. If Bryce Young was on this team, oh, yeah. we wouldn't have this conversation. They'd no. be one and two. It'd be Georgia Bama. And I think the the question at quarterback Simpson, Buckner, Milrow, the law firm. I think it's that that is the question is like everything else around them looks better on offense and you know the defense is going to be salty. Well, so it gives you a little bit gives you a little bit of play there to have the better offensive line and then some kinks worked out there. So hopefully that gives them the kind of 
footing they need to stand on to deal with any sort of quarterback troubles that they may be having. And I think troubles would be a stretch. I, I think they I think they have three really good options. I the do question too. is, do they have an elite option again? I'm still calling that we see multiple. We've seen Saban utilize multiple quarterbacks in the past. I, I would say the, the hook will be quick. I, I tend to agree with you on that. Number three, Alabama in the Athlon Sports List. Number four, USC. Number five, Ohio State. Number six, LSU. A ton of debate between LSU and Alabama, Aaron, for us when we sat down to do this. Um, why so? <laughs> uh, LS- this is your show, Braden. LSU has everything coming back. They are one of two teams in the SEC that have their coordinator and their quarterback coming back. Uh, I think Brian Kelly removes the human element from the way Saban does, the way Kirby Smart does, the way the great coaches do. They level set every single day in every meeting and every practice, and I think Brian Kelly does that. I think the offensive line returns five starters. I think the defense with Harold Perkins and Mason Smith back healthy, you could argue, are the two best defensive players in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to play, unfortunately, all their toughest games. Like all the revenge games are on the road. Like they got to play at Bama, and that is the reason why we picked Bama. And if Bama is good enough to beat LSU in November on the bye, the one when they normally play, then Alabama will be really freaking good. Uh, that's that's a freaking is worth three reallys, I feel like. I'm not putting a tally okay. on the screen, so don't ask me. Okay, um, but I think LSU. There's I'm I don't know. Are you concerned about LSU just not being fully mature yet as a program? Because it's hard for a program in two years to become that fully formed, like twelve and zero. We're gonna win yeah, the division, insane. beat Bama on the road, and go play Georgia. It's insane to go from like, tw- like where they were five years ago to how much it dipped down and then to be back at a play like to be back at 12 and 0 would be insane it's insane to ever be 12 and 0 in the SEC <laughs> period but I mean or really any conference but I think with with LSU we didn't know how quickly things were going to happen for them last season and we were all like pretty surprised pretty at how yeah. I mean people thought they would be good but we didn't know how quickly it was going to happen thought it was a possibility because again like we always say they have the pieces to do it even when they've been in those dipping down years they've had the pieces to do it but I think they'll come out of the gate strong and then I just think that we'll see people kind of start to stand out in their positions and become even better like you have Malik Neighbors you have Mason Taylor at tight end um, and then you have like people like Karen Lacey wide receiver that are like primed to have like breakout seasons. So mm-hmm. I think that they'll start off strong and then people will find their footing and it'll just become like more weaponry. I, I think uh, when Brody Miller was on the show a couple of weeks ago, I, I sort of stumbled on this on accident with him and he kind of agreed, which is they may not be the best offense in the sec, but they are the most complete offense in mm-hmm. the sec. There's not a hole on the roster. There's not a question mark, like Alabama question mark. We, you know, the coordinator is, is returning. The quarterback is returning. The offensive line is returning all five guys. You just rattled off a bunch of playmakers. Like, they are the most complete offense in the conference, full stop. And the, they, they may not be the best. They may not start the best or finish the best. But there's not a question on this team. So the question, again, I, to me, it's a very vague way to ask it. Okay. But it's just, are they there yet? Like, it's a – I know that's that – I guess what, when you say what's there, you have to like, define there Like, first. it took Georgia losing – like Georgia, I think had a losing season in Kirby's first year. Maybe they, I think they lost to didn't they lose to Vanderbilt the first year? Um, yes. When Vanderbilt stopped them on like Georgia. fourth down in Athens. At Georgia. And. Was that that game? And then and then, uh, like they kind of built, and then 2017 happens, 
and they lose in the championship game, and then they don't get back and win it until 2020. So it took like it took time to build it to that 2017 year where they lose in the championship game to like an insane play. So is their making it to the championship game? Is that what there is for you? Yeah, like it's it's beating Bama on the road, competing with Georgia in the SEC title game, and being a playoff team. Right, like that. That all of that encompasses like where I mean, they're preseason number six in our rankings. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's out of the question. It's, it's not. But if right now you got to put all your money, right? Like, do they hit a couple potholes and go ten and two, or is that is that more likely than being perfect, being eleven and one, twelve? Like, I just think there's, there's still some growing under Brian Kelly, if that makes sense. And there's not a lot, but I think a little bit, and that little bit could be one loss on the road against Bama, in which case you may lose the division. And then you're not there. Literally, you're not in. Atlanta. I'm going to take the risk and say LSU goes 11 and one, I, just to make it fun. I, I don't think you're. That's not crazy. That's not crazy. So number six in the preseason, but I think a lot of debate. How about this? When 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 SEC Media Days is here in Nashville in a couple of weeks, that's a ridiculous thing to say. Yes, it is. Um, it's more like seven. So I'm going to say a month and a half. Okay. There will be, I bet you, very split votes from the media on Bama and LSU in the West to win the division. I bet you it's very split, and no one else gets any first-place votes. <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, number seven in the list, just for, for some context here, number seven, Florida State, number eight, Penn State, number nine, Washington, number 10, Utah. Number 11, Texas. Texas is in there, so you future SEC people. Uh, just keep an eye on them. Uh, number 16 is Oklahoma. Let's go back to number 15. Okay. Te- do you think Tennessee fans are happy with being preseason number 15, second in the East? Do you think that's appropriate? How do you think Tennessee fans feel about being number 15 in the rankings? I'm sure you know exactly how they feel because you live on Twitter. Um, but Not as much anymore. I just lurk. I would say that I, I wouldn't care if I were them. I would just care what actually it, – it doesn't really matter. Um, I'm sure they probably feel like it's low. I what do think, you think? I think lo- part of our evaluation of Tennessee was if you are going to lose – Heisman Trophy caliber quarterback, your offensive coordinator, two NFL draft picks at wide receiver, and a first-round pick at left tackle, while also still having a defense that's not quite there yet, exactly the same conversation we just had with LSU, mm-hmm. maybe on a different level, that is where I think you, you, you run into issues about Tennessee's upside. I think 15 is too high. I think I, You I asked think, me what they think. <laughs> I think they think it's probably about right. You do? Okay. I think. Like, 15 is probably what? At least 8-4, and four, if not 9-3. and three. I don't think they they definitely can't be mad at who they fell behind on the list in the no, SEC. No, no, no. Fourth, I mean, fourth in the conference is very good. Yeah, I mean, you're only yeah only being behind Georgia, Alabama, LSU. I think when you look at it like that, I mean, maybe they think there's too, like too much of a gap between them and LSU, but I think that would be an unreasonable Tennessee fan. I think a healthy, mentally sound Tennessee <laughs> fan, what? Although few and far what, between, what is that? <laughs> would recognize that that's a perfectly fine place to be, and then. Just hope that you can get all of your ducks in a row. And then you've had concerns about Joe Milton, very open and verbal concerns <laughs> about him for a long time. How are you feeling about I, it? I think he's, it's possible he has his best season. I think asking a guy to play at Hendon Hooker's level is unfair. I, don't think I wouldn't want to go after him. Right. Like that, I think that's unfair. Um, and Orange Bowl Joe is not going to be the Joe you see every week. Um, Vanderbilt Joe is not going to be the Joe you see every week. Um, I think he could have his best season, though. The question is, is his, is his best season like 70% of Hendon Hooker, 90% of Hendon Hooker, 50% of Hendon Hooker? I don't know what the number is. I just think he has not 
proven in five or six years in college football at Michigan or Tennessee that he is the dude. He just mm-hmm. hasn't proven that yet. You got to go win games. Hendon Hooker beat Alabama. Like, I don't think Joe Milton's going on the road and beating Alabama. So, is that yeah. fair? I think that's fair. Okay. I think there's, I mean, obviously there's a lot of things that have to align perfectly, and it's a little bit of luck and a lot of things uh, being perfectly executed if you're a Tennessee and beating Alabama. Um, but one of those is a dynamic quarterback. And I think, obviously, Hendon Hooker being like a Heisman contender and everything is it's just different. But uh-huh. what – Hendon Hooker th- is pretty special. But Tennessee's defense is going to be very sound, which – Whenever the other side of the ball is working well, it gives you a little bit more leeway um, offensively, but it doesn't give you. Uh, I mean, South Carolina fans would disagree with you about that defensive statement. By the way, South Carolina fans disagree with you on everything. They would disagree with you on the Tennessee defense being good. Spencer Rattler is—I think he's just scored again. Well, I think they're at seventy now. I think they just scored two more times. Yeah, I think they're at seventy-seven. I'm now. Glad you brought that up. Honestly, I got my South Carolina hat on. We'll get to you guys in a second. I'm wearing it just for you guys. Number 20, Texas A&M. So turbulent. Third in the West. Are we crazy? <laughs> because of that? I think, we're, I, I, I think we're putting our hand on the burner a little bit here again. I, I would not have but. the confidence to do it. But you guys did it, and that shit is already in print. So what are you going to do? Uh, Bobby Petrino's pretty good, you know? And then him and Jimbo have to get along. That's true. By that's the a, end. That's a big ask. Yeah. I, it's going to – it's gonna. What is it? Uh, come on, you're you're big on Greek mythology. You're a big Greek mythology guy. I'm not. Uh, Icarus, right? I don't even know if that's Greek. The one who flew too close to the sun, right? Burns hot, burns fast, burns high. Do you then... know that to be true, Corey? What do you know about and, Greek mythology? It is Icarus. You do? Yeah. See, it's Icarus. Is it Greek? What a staff I have. They all know Greek? Greek mythology. You as guys well know as a bunch te- of random shit, is what you guys know. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, he it flew too. It flew, he flew. Too close to the sun, got burnt. I think that's what happens with AM coaching staff. The question is, how many games do they win before they get burnt? That's the question. Because Bobby P is good. Like, they, they have dudes. They've recruited much longer than Tennessee and LSU. They have dudes. I mean, yeah. We, we know he's established at coaching quarterbacks. He has better play calling than a lot would argue, especially Jimbo Fisher at the end of the season last season. <laughs> um, what do you think? will be the dy- quarterback and Petrino dynamic. What do we think? How do you think Connor and Bobby are going to do together? I think it's a, I think that's the key. I think I think I actually really like it. I, I part of the reason we would have them at 20 in the nation and third in the West is that we believe in Bobby Petrino and Connor Wigman coming together and doing the thing that Jimbo Fisher wouldn't let them do, which is like like run an offense with some tempo, run an offense with some speed, use the weapons on the outside, let the offensive the offensive line should be a lot better this year. Their front seven is going to be ridiculous. It's all those five stars that Saban's been bitching about for two years. They're all going to be sophomores and juniors now. I just think that there's too much on paper, and if Fisher actually steps away from it, that's when I think it, they could be really, really good. But I'm not going to pick them to be really, really good because I I put my hand you on the. You kind of did pick them. No, nope, they're not, we don't even have them in the t- inside the top twenty. We got them at twenty. That's like that is the hedgiest of hedge bets, is what that is. We're like, oh, we think they're gonna be much better, but we're not sure how much. Right. Better. Um, yes, there are a lot of things that have to happen. They should be good for many reasons. Um, <laughs> yes. There's nothing else to do there. Seven hundred million of them. 
700 million good reasons to be good. <laughs> um, I I really like Connor Wigman. I think he's fun to watch. I am really glad that Jimbo decided to take like, give it up on controlling everything offensively. And if he doesn't get his panties in a wad about no longer having control of that completely, <laughs> I think that the dynamic between Petrino and Wigman will be great. I mean, it's very much about his ego. and It's totally about his and ego. And what's funny is – if it doesn't work, then he's going to blame it on Petrino. Then he blames it on Petrino, but then it doesn't work and he's under, he's in trouble. So he's like, he's not going to get fired because the contract's guaranteed. But if it does work, he can't take credit for it because then it's Petrino. If it does work, he'll still take credit for it. I think you're And if it doesn't work, right. he'll blame it on Petrino. <laughs> right. But then he's under hot water for his team sucking again. He's not under hot water at all because he's going to get paid and he can't, they can't get rid of him. They can't, they, they can't, but you never know about that oil money in Texas, dog. Like they could just come up with the 52 million. And just be like, no, you're done. Here's $50 million not to work for us. We love college football more than everybody else. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Somehow Jimbo just ends up like in the movie Holes, like on a random camp <laughs> in the middle of Texas. Like, like no one Bacon? can find him. He's like not dead, but like he's been sent no. away. He's a big outdoorsman. You never know. Somebody, he's missing. Somebody might get him out there in the West Texas. Those, those West Texas jackrabbits will get you. Um, I think what's interesting about oh, – man, I – What's interesting? Jimbo is just such a fascinating dude. Like, uh, like his first, he, he, there's no way he's gonna be chill about this whole thing. Because the only way to do this, if they're good and they're successful, and they're nine, let's say they're nine and three, or they're number twenty in the preseason, the only way for him to win that press conference at the end of the season is to sort of be very humble and say like, I'm so grateful for Bobby Petrino and the work that he did, and our athletes did a great job, and I stepped back, and that's what I needed to do. Like he has to do, just tell the truth. And do it in like a gracious way. And if he did that, that's the only way he wins. But there's nothing about Jimbo Fisher that says he's going to do that. <laughs> the best he would do is give all the credit to the student athletes and kind of give like a silent yeah, F yeah. you to Petrino. That's about it. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is why we're we're not super high on A and M, even though they're number 20s. We've got Ole Miss at number 21. We've got Arkansas at number 29. So it's not like there's a huge gap here between A and M and the next teams. But Ole Miss fourth in the West at 21. Um, I think we're giving them a lot of. We're, we're doing a lot of we're giving them a lot of belief here that Lane Kiffin is going to fix some problems. Mm -hmm. um, that's for sure. So, what concerns you about them being at twenty one? Because, you know, I wouldn't call it. There wasn't a lot of true competition in the quarterback battle in the off season because uh, I mean we know like it's going to be Jackson Dart, right? But we didn't get that kind of like competition in the off season because of injuries. Well, so no, that's true. The competition did not take place. I don't know how much you to still read. think it would have been. I don't know. Like, it's a good question. I don't know. I mean, he went and got Walker Howard and Spencer Sanders out of the portal. You don't do that if you are, like, completely happy with your guy, Jackson Dart. But then Sanders was recovering, and so he wasn't fully healthy enough to practice all the time. Walker Howard, I've said for all along, I think has the best arm and will make the offense go the best. But Jackson Dart came out of spring practice with glowing reviews, and like Lane Kiffin was very happy with him. And it felt like, to your point, I think the competition might have been over. But I, I wonder what that looks like in a game early in the season when things are tough and like Jackson Dart's not as accurate as he needs to be. I think hiring Pete Golding on defense is an upgrade. One man's trash is another man's treasure. I don't think he's good for Bama, but I think he's really good for Ole Miss. Yep. And I. I still think there's holes on defense. They're still using the portal to plug them. I, you're playing in the SEC where you have to just have depth and recruiting, and I just am not sure that Lane Kiffin's genius 
overcomes like the way you have to win games in this conference. I, I guess is if that makes sense. Does that make sense? It does. Like, I mean, I th- what I took away from that too is just the accuracy. They're the inaccuracy at quarterback. Even if you have a really good arm and you can connect with people, and they've got new guy. Um, I can't. His name's leaving me. He came from. Was Where? it Louisiana Tech? New wide receiver. Oh, no, yeah, I'm, I don't have that in front of me either. I know who you're talking about, though. They went and got a bunch Trey of – Trey Harris. Yeah, they went and got a bunch of guys uh, yeah. in the portal for sure. The connection was – so, like, uh, players that are very accurate and uh, quick, tight ends, receivers can help that to help compensate for inaccuracy mm-hmm. at quarterback. But any team in the SEC, almost without exception, is going to prey on any type of inaccuracy you have at the quarterback position. I mean, you're looking at – turnovers and we've talked a lot about how turnovers are difference makers in almost every if you looked at one statistic I would say that that would stand out the most to you especially at SEC in conference play about what decided wins and losses is turnovers I bet it, I don't have I mean we could, no, I could dive all the way into that pretty good one yeah and so I, I just think that with Jackson Dart if he is, if he can't be more accurate than we saw him be last season, teams will prey on that, and it could yeah. be the difference. Yeah. I, I think there's such a razor thin margin for error between like, because we're talking Ole Miss about we're talking we're about them as fourth in the West, a fourth place team, sixth in the conference, but top twenty five. So that means there's a lot of really good football teams, and we've talked about this. The middle class in this conference is healthier than it's ever been. We've got Kentucky at twenty seven. They are the seventh place team in the in the conference preseason top 30 and they are midway through the league. That is the seventh place is halfway through the conference and you're a top 20, like third in the East and a team that we have picked to win eight games, like, and you're seventh place in your conference like that. To me, that tells you where we are. And I love this Kentucky team. Do you, do you think they're in the right spot or did you fight for them to be higher? I like this. I like Kentucky almost as much as I like Ole Miss. Um, I probably fought for Kentucky to be higher. There's a couple teams I fought for. Would you have, pushed for both Ole Miss and Kentucky to be higher or them to be flip-flopped? No, maybe to be flip-flopped. I think I would knock down Ole Miss a couple spots and move Kentucky up a couple spots. I'd probably have them like 24-25, something like that. But both – I think Kentucky is very dangerous. Mm -hmm. A lot of really – they just have like really big, beefy dudes on the defensive line, like just monstrosities, like Mm -hmm. huge dudes. I think Devin Leary, the new quarterback from NC State, Liam Cohen, the coordinator that was there the year before last year, 2021 – They've got really sneaky good weapons at wide receiver. The offensive line can only be better than what it was last year, which was garbage. I think Kentucky is very good, and I think they're going to be sneaky good. Can they go to Athens and beat Georgia good? I don't think so. They've got a tough schedule, but, man, I, I that Kentucky team is the one that I think we might be a little low on. I, I might move Kentucky up like four, five, six spots in, in the national rankings. Uh, and I might jump them over Ole Miss in the SEC rankings if I had to. If I had to do it again, Stephen. <laughs> I know that a lot of people live in this like SEC world, and we kind of you kind of eat, sleep, breathe SEC, and you look in outside the conference in the postseason or um, for your like non-conference play. But other than that, some people just really don't pay attention. But you'd have to really not be paying attention to see like kind of the consistency of NC State over the past several years and like what have they been able to do um, in a, a conference that, you know, is, is not on the same level as the SEC. And when you talk about Devin Leary's like, I mean, he, in 2021, he had 35 touchdowns, five interceptions at a program like NC State, um, 
who does have some competition. I really think that you're right about this being um, like he can come in and and really pick up the slack and not leave a huge gap between himself and Will Levis. Um, and yeah, I mean, all of those, we, we see things from Kentucky. We see consistency from them, even though they haven't, you know, they haven't been on that upwards trajectory and didn't reach the pinnacle of what they want it to be. I'm still not ruling it out because we have like almost a decade of consistency from this team. And yeah. like you said, size on both sides of the line. So hopefully Devin Leary can kind of like pick up where Will Levis left off and keep them going in and upwards I, momentum. I think you're right. I don't think there's anybody that thinks like he's as good as Will Levis. But you mentioned his 2021 stats. Well, 2021 Levis was much better because Leon Cohen was there, and they won 10 games. And so could he be as good as Will Levis was two years ago? Sure. Does it make him an NFL prospect? No, Tennessee fans. It doesn't. But I think he's a really good, pro- I think he's a really good player, and you alluded to his talent earlier. So I think, I think Kentucky's sneaky dangerous. If they, things have to happen. The offensive line has to really come together. But I think they are sneaky dangerous. We talk about in science projects, like you have to have a control. It seems like Mark Stoops, Mark yeah. <laughs> Stoops gets it. He's trying to get his control back. He's, he's eliminating all of the changing factors. <laughs> he's the most basic variable in the entire conference. Is Mark don't, Stoops. Don't I say basic. that in a, no, that, that's a, I, mean, I say that as a compliment. Remember I said essential, the guys who take away the human element, the ups and downs of human emotion of 18 to 22-year-olds every single day are the ones that win. It's about maintaining consistency. And that's what Saban does. Is what Smart does. I think Brian Kelly does that. Um, so there you go. Um, all right. So number 29 on the list, fifth in the West, number one in your hearts, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Before we get into our conversation about Arkansas, do you want to hear from their star quarterback? Oh, yeah. Let's you do, that do that first. So we've got a few more teams to get to. South Carolina. Mississippi State, Auburn, Florida, Missouri, Vanderbilt. We'll get to all of you guys. But first, here was my conversation with first-team All-SEC quarterback and Arkansas Razorback, K.J. Jefferson. Arkansas quarterback K.J. Jefferson joining us here. K.J., thank you for your time, man. We do appreciate it. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Glad to be on a podcast with you and talk some ball with you. So just give everybody an idea of like where you are personally at this time, like May of 2023 versus May of 2022. You've got a new coordinator and Dan Enos that's kind of doing some different things with you guys. So where are you at personally? How do you feel different today than maybe this time last year? Uh, extremely confident now because, uh, I mean, I know what's ahead of me. I know I have my goals set on what I want to accomplish this season and for my future uh, career. So. I'm pretty uh, level-headed, clear mindset. I mean, I don't have no uh, distractions distracting me right now. So pretty level-headed right now. I'm having fun. I'm enjoying each and every day my teammates' workouts and being able to get in with Coach Enos to talk ball and how he's going to call games and stuff like that. So it's really been fun and interesting, and I'm just ready to get it started. What what have you learned from him? Uh, Just the terminology, just speaking the same terminology as I would if I was – walking into a franchise at the next level. So just being able to talk that same terminology and also going there with the confidence to get on the whiteboard and talk ball and also just on the personal level, just getting to know how coaches, you know what I'm saying, react and how they can just be able to just mold me into a man off the field and on the field. You're talking about the next level, obviously. We just watched a bunch of dudes in the SEC get drafted. You got Heisman winners. You got national championship winners. You got third rounders, fourth rounders, first rounders, second rounders. You're the guy now in the SEC. I mean, you're, you're, you know, we're putting out our magazine at Athlon Sports next month. You'll be first team all SEC. We're going to go to media days. You're probably going to be first team all SEC there. 
How much do you pay attention to what those other guys have done through this entire process? And how much do you pay attention to the like sort of the louder noise that's outside around you now that you're sort of you're sort of the elder statesman in the SEC right now? I really don't pay too much attention about the outer noise. I just try to focus on myself each and every day, try to critique myself to perfect my craft and just reach the highest potential that I can reach. And uh, for the guys that was ahead of me that got drafted, I mean, I watch all those guys' games and try to try to steal some of their tools that they do or some of the things. Uh, I really like watching Bryce's highlights just from his poise in the pocket and certain movements he may make to just – get off platform and throw a, deliver a good ball. So I try to watch all those guys' game highlights and try to emulate it and try to put a little bit into my bag as well. It, you know, you had to, you, you've had a couple of games last year where you had to sit out, and I'm curious how you deal with – Bryce had to deal with that too. Hendon Hooker had to deal with an injury. I'm curious how you deal with either a bad game or having to sit on the sidelines like Mississippi State, LSU, games where you don't get to contribute. Like, how do you process that from, like, a human standpoint – and make sure that you're sort of moving on to the next thing. It's frustrating for sure. Cause I mean, of course you want to be out there with your guys. I mean, you've been doing something that you love for so long and to be sitting out uh, because of the injuries, it's pretty frustrating. But also it's actually, it shows the game from on the sideline. Cause I mean, you always out there. So being able to watch the game from the sideline, get the coach's point of view of what they're seeing. And also just being able to be a leader. I mean, just that's the time to showcase your leadership skills when you're not on the field with those guys. So. Being able to be a great teammate and carries those guys each and every time they come up, uh, come onto the sideline. So, I mean, it just goes to show you, like, just being an extensive coach on the field and off the field when you're not playing. Uh, listen, I a lot of people love watching you play, man. A big part of that is your running style and the physicality and what you bring to the the table outside of the pocket. Uh, certainly, <laughs> are are you going to try to protect yourself at all a little bit more? Like, I again, part of what what is fun about watching you play is how you finish runs. Is is Sam telling you to like, hey, dude, like get down a little bit more? No, nah, I mean he just let me play. I mean because I mean he know like if the team needs that spark, he know I can I can be be the one that did deliver that spark. So he's I mean he let me play, but he also also tell me like be smart. I mean, and I'm real. Sometimes I I, I can get a little too physical at times. I mean just because of my mindset of just finishing runs and also just being able to get my my team that pump and that excitement. So, I mean, sometimes he'll do tell me be smart, but it I just come back to what decision I mean, I'm making in that time frame. You got a pretty good tailback to do that for you. You know what I mean? Like, you can sure. let him You sure. can let him do that if you want. Sure. Like you, sure. g- give, give Rocket a little love. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, name, image, and likeness, uh, KJ. How has this changed the college football player's life? Like, how has it changed your life? How has it changed your teammates' life? Man, it, a, a big difference. I mean, just being able to just – being able to provide for my family. I mean, that's the main thing. I look at NIL, just being able to provide for my family and just show them some, just have some type of financial support, uh, just being able to send money back home if my mom needs some or things are getting tough on her. So I can just be able to just send up, send some money back home and make sure everybody back home is great. Cause I mean, she did a lot of, she's made a lot of sacrifices for me. So just being able to try to pay her back bit by bit and do as much as I can for her. So it really doesn't change college football because I mean, you get paid to do what you love to do. So, it, it, I mean, that makes a big deal. And also, I mean, you just want to be able to take advantage of it. I mean, guys before us didn't have this opportunity, so just being able to be smart about it and also just do it do it the right way. I mean, don't get careless with it and also just being able to mold yourself. Yeah. Well, it gives you it certainly gives you a platform to tell a story that you maybe didn't have a chance to tell before. I know a lot of guys, I've talked to a lot of guys in the conference that, you know, whether you, basically your only chance was going to SEC Media Days before. 
And now you have a chance to sort of tell your story all the time. Is there something that like the media just gets wrong? Like we get a lot of things wrong, but like what's the one thing that the media is just wrong about playing quarterback in the SEC or being an SEC athlete? Like what are we just dead wrong about? Uh, <laughs> I say sometimes y'all rankings, y'all predictions. <laughs> I say that for sure. Y'all predictions sometimes. It could be wrong, but also, I mean, I, I look at it like, I look at social media as like, I mean, it's everybody entitled to their own opinion. I mean, so, yeah, I give me all opinions, so I try not to look too much into that because, I mean, it's opinion-based. I mean, so, but it also adds motivation to me as well, just being able to say, okay, y'all have me ranked number 12 right here, so let me go out here and do do what I can, do my best to try to prove that I'm not number 12, I'm number one, so. I mean, it also adds motivation, but also, I mean, it's opinion-based, so I try not to think too much on it. Well, here's the deal. I know KP's listening, so you can tell him <laughs> that you are going to be ranked number one in the Athlon Sports Magazine. For your, for your first team All-SEC. The magazines are not even on newsstands yet. He knows all about it, so make sure he gets those tweets out, all right? Make sure he's telling everybody <laughs> that we got you number one. Um, you mentioned your mother. Obviously, she means a lot to you. I'm curious. Mother's Day's coming up. Would you rather do – like, would she rather – have like a, a like a spa day with her son, like manis and petties, you and her just going and doing it. Or would she rather watch you like beat Alabama? Like, what does she want? What does she want more? Beat Alabama. <laughs> She'd rather want that for sure. Because I mean, Manny Petty, we can get that at any time. So just me being able to go out there and beat Alabama, I mean, it'll be a huge goal. Because I mean, she's competitive too. So I mean, like I said, she's really tied into it. I mean, you can talk ball with her, and she'll tell you everything about the game like she's really a student of the game as well so i mean she'll take me be alabama for sure what what like if you you make a throw in a game maybe you shouldn't have made it how long after the game before mom's reaching out being like all right let's talk about this as soon as i get done doing media with kyle and i walk <laughs> up there and i see them she's telling me right right then and there i mean she's wasting no time like hey or even if i have a good game if i throw four touchdowns run two she still be like, hey, you missed this right here, this throw right here, you could have had five touchdowns. Or it's always something that she's going to critique me on, whether I did good or bad. So, I mean, it's always it's always good having that support and also having to come from your mom that knows the game and knows her, knows me. And when I'm feeling good or when something's bothering me, all this, I mean, she can tell all that. I, I, I did hear a story, though, that you do like to treat yourself a little bit at the spa. Is that true? Of course. Of course. I have to go get <laughs> Manny Petty's. Massage. <laughs> Got to make sure the toes are looking good. Uh, KJ, uh, all right, let me do some rapid fire real quickly here with you, if you don't mind. Um, all right. What is the best pair of Jordans and why is it the 11s? <laughs> uh, it's just, it's just something about that shoe. It's just like, I don't know. It's just like, I, if I see it, I just have to get it. Like, it just, I don't, I don't know what it is. I think because when I had about the breads and it's like, just the pattern of it, and I just fell in love with it ever since. And it's a comfortable shoe, so I just always get the Jordan Levis. It's not. It's not even close. It's not even up for debate. Yeah, my, like, that's just my opinion, though. So that's just my opinion. Yeah. Um, when you when you watch these, and like I'm I'm watching Curry do his thing. I'm watching James Harden do his thing. I know you probably pay attention to to sports around outside of football, but like I know like when you watch James Harden walk into an arena wearing what he's wearing like is that like i'm an old guy here i don't understand i'll admit that i don't understand but like are we are, are they forward thinking on the fashion thing or are they going too far uh so uh sometimes i like i like looking at fashion like that because it's different and it's also like you don't catch too many people wearing it and it's a certain type of way you have to wear it 
And for like James Harden, like certain people can pull out certain things. That's that's the big difference. Like certain people can pull out certain things, but sometimes they do go too far. Like some stuff I wouldn't dare wear. <laughs> like they don't even like. But some of the stuff do be kind of cool, like how they actually put things together and stuff like that. So it just certain people can pull certain stuff off. Uh, anyone on the team beat you at Madden, or are you the best? Uh, I pretty had some tough battles. Uh, I go back and forth. Me and uh, Dominique Johnson, uh, Dwight, uh, he beat me not too long ago. Um, I said that's about it. Though. Other than that, I ain't, I ain't losing too many games. <laughs> All right. Um, have you ever gone boar hunting with your bare hands and killed a boar with your bare hands? No, not at all. I went down. I actually went down with Traylon one time. And once he told me, like, they actually can, like, run at you and do all that, I told him, nah, I won't go anymore. Like, I wouldn't. Don't even take me out there. Has, has he given you any advice? I've covered him here in Nashville. He plays for the Titans, obviously, for those that don't know. Um, have you guys talked at all, giving each other advice about how to handle the process, what he's going through in the NFL, what you're going through as, you know, potentially future draft pick and final year in the SEC? What kind of advice do you guys give each other? Uh, my thing is just uh, being humble. I mean, we always tell each other to be humble and – don't let the next man outwork you. I mean, that's our because we both competitors, so we'll get into arguments all the time about who's working hardest or so we always just being competitive, but we also understand like being humble and keeping faith and just being able to just put your head down and work is what's gonna translate uh to the next level and get you there and keep you in the lead as well. So just perfecting the small details. I mean, that's all we talk about. Well, um, I like being outdoors too, but I'm not sure I need to. Twelve hundred pound animal running at me with some with some tusks like he does, man. That's, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even like fishing. So. That's nuts. That's nuts. Uh, favorite barbecue meat? You got a meal you're planning for your buddies? What What's the meat you're picking? What's the main entree? Uh, I probably say brisket. I just started. I just started eating brisket up here, so I mean it's pretty good. <laughs> All right, that's cow. That's cow. All right. Uh, well, KJ, thank you so much, man. We really appreciate it. Uh, I know you got a, a whole summer left to go before camp opens up. Uh, get, tell everybody sort of a little bit about your plans. What What's the life of a college football player like now that, that spring practice is over and the next step is, you know, media days in camp? Like, what are you guys doing on, on sort of a day-to-day -day basis? Uh, so for me, basically, because uh, I, like, throughout the season and I, I, the way I play, I try to get as much rest as I can. So I try to rest uh, probably like a week or so. I try to get a little rest in. But after that, then it's, Strictly working out, uh, cardio, just doing different stuff to make sure I'm in shape, make sure my body's good, I'm leaning out, and working out with uh, the coaching staff and going out there throwing with receivers on certain days on weekends and stuff like that. So being able to be a timing with those guys, and so it's just it's a it's a it's a consistent grind, it's a day to day grind, but also within those days of grind, I do set aside a couple hours to myself to relax and be stress free and just try to take a little bit off at a time. So not just killing my body in the offseason, but also preparing my, my body for a tough physical season. Uh, KJ, thank you for your time, man. I'll let you go. Has Sam Pittman ever had a bad day? If he had, he, does, he doesn't show it. If he had, he doesn't show it. He tried not to show it because, I mean, we, he, he knows that we're all watching him, so he tried not to show that he's having a bad day. But, I mean, it does be times where he'll, he'll, he'll get on us pretty hard, but – We'll try to, you know what I'm saying, try to do it as a player first before it ever gets to his, in his hands. So. Well, get yourself uh, some rest, take care of the body, and uh, enjoy your summer, man. We appreciate your time here on the show. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me.
That was KJ Jefferson and a good friend of ours, KP, lingering off the side of the camera there. Uh, okay. If you know, you know. Um, KJ is very, uh, he's a very, like, he pays attention to everything that's going on. He was very upset last year at Media Days with where Arkansas was picked, where he was picked behind all those star quarterbacks. He pays attention to all of it, but he also, I think Dan Enos, the new offensive coordinator, is in a really good spot to help him develop into sort of a pro-style guy and kind of evolve that part of his game. We already know. I asked him, is he ever going to slide? Is he ever going to take it easy on his body? And he's like, that's what gets the team going. And so I, I respect yeah. that. But if I'm Sam Pittman, I'm kind of going like, hey, KJ, get down every now and then. Just yeah. take, let's let let's let the, the star tailback we got in the backfield take the hits for you. Uh, but Arkansas 29, fifth in the West. This one, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I think this is a good football team. I know how much you love Sam Pittman, but I think this is kind of throwing a dart here. Like, I think KJ's really good. Is this a nine-win team? Is it a ten-win team? I don't think so. Is it a six-win team? I don't think so. So really, it's like, do you win one or two close games, or do you lose one or two close games? And I don't. This is, to me, this is what we're starting to throw darts here in the SEC with like where, who's better and who's worse. Well, the order still makes sense. I think it is hard to predict, like what you're saying. I mean, I, you know, I would give them like. Did you pick how many wins you think they'll have? I'd give them like seven and a half. <laughs> that's probably about right. I think if you told me seven and a half, gamble on that, that's where I'd be like, I don't know. If you and told me six and a half, I would say take the over. Yeah. If you told me eight and a half, I would say take the under. So you probably. What about have, eight? It's uh, probably what Vegas said. <laughs> I don't know. Seven and a half or eight I, I is think tough. Seven and a half even makes me think because eight and four is tough with their schedule, man. They got a weird. I wouldn't bet on if the spread, if it's like, or the. Prediction is like seven and a half or eight. I would pick a different team to bet on. I, I tend to agree with that. Um, I feel good. Like Kentucky, I feel good about going over. If they gave me seven and a half, I'd be like, I'll take the over. Seven and a half for Arkansas, see, I'm that's, not sure. That's, I still think that's hard, but I'm not looking at Kentucky's schedule at yeah, the moment. That's, I mean, I, I just like – I mean, we have Kentucky ranked a couple spots higher. They play in the east. I, I think the west is a little bit deeper, a little bit tougher. I think there's a few more wins on the bottom of the east schedule. We'll get to those teams in a second. But that's kind of that's, – that's where I'd fall on with those two. Do not you, you, South Carolina. You are not an automatic W. I'm not talking about you. Oh Love God. you, South Carolina. Um, how how does the like new any changes or new offense at Arkansas? How do you think that affects KJ's like de- growth and development? We talked a little bit about being more doing more pro stuff. Danny knows is going to do that. He's going to develop his arm and the passing attack. So I think that's of, of note to pay attention to. It sort of evolves the, the game one step further for their passing offense. The rushing offense is not the problem. We know they can run the ball. KJ can run the ball. Rocket Sanders can run the ball. That's not a problem. The key is, is there another tier? Because he's protected the ball a lot. Like He's only had, I think, nine total interceptions in two years, which is really good taking care of the football. He's just been banged up and missed some time because of his style. So I think if they can do a little bit less running with him, a little bit more, more pocket, yeah. yeah, I think that's where they can kind of – they can take another step on offense. And if they do that, then I, then I like the over on seven and a half. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right, number 31, fourth in the East. Do you want to ask me about this team? I'm wearing your hat, okay? I'm wearing a hat in honor of this team. South Carolina. Um, you know what? It's like I just feel like I need to be a therapist for you two, you being you and the entire so South Carolina game. So – it's Cox. couples therapy, me and South Carolina Gamecocks fans on the couch. Yes. And I have been to a okay. fair share of therapy, and I'm still not even sure I can handle this. Um, it's toxic. Braden is taking you guys through the ringer. It's up. It's down. He loves you. He hates you. Now he's wearing your hat, but he's probably going to talk trash anyway. It's not the upstate, though. 
that's down there on the coast. <laughs> but he's not going to talk. I love your state. I love your state. What are you going to oh, do to man. make it right? Okay, here's. Let's just skip the whole counseling session. I think they're too. High, I think they're too high in the rankings. I think Missouri should be higher. Are you kidding? <laughs> no. What? <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I'm not kidding. It's not a hot take. I think South Carolina is really good. I think Missouri is really dangerous. But anyway, number 31 in the Athlon Sports Top 25, oh South Carolina. Oh, my God. Are you serious right now? No. You turned this I'm into Missouri lying. is really dangerous. That's I think Missouri. South Carolina. Okay. I said, you know how like, we were talking about shit. Ole Miss? We were talking about Ole Miss in Kentucky. And I was like, I don't love Ole Miss where they are. I'm, I have some doubts. I love Kentucky. I feel confident about Kentucky. <laughs> I feel confident that South Carolina is where they're supposed to be. I think 31 is pretty good. I think they're going to have a seven or eight win season. I think they're pretty good. The team I think that could make life miserable for everyone in the SEC is going to be Missouri. You don't mean that they're going to make life miserable for everyone in the SEC, though. You're talking to South Carolina. You're not talking to everybody <laughs> in the SEC. You're not. Fair enough. Okay, what do we do like about South Carolina? Do you think – no, 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 no. Hold what on. do we like about South Carolina? Elite weapons, quarterback that could be great. Do you – Could be great. Do you think Missouri is going to make Kentucky's life miserable? Yes. You do? Yes. I don't. Do you think they're going to make Ole Miss's life miserable? If they played, yes. They're going to play Arkansas. I think they're going to make life miserable for I'm Arkansas. I'm just going up the list to That's see like, how high it – all of them. Yes. I think Missouri is super dangerous. I think Missouri's going to make Tennessee's it's life. It's just interesting that you only brought this up during the South Carolina of course, conversation. Of course I did that on purpose. But it's because I think, well, now <sighs> we're down in this range where all these teams are. Missouri and Florida. Like, I think Florida's should be b below Missouri. And we'll get to those rankings. Should but we just get all these rankings on the skipped, table now? There's four teams between South Carolina and Missouri on the rankings list that you made. Not you in, made it. I know. Florida's should not be there in between them. South Carolina and Missouri are... A step above in Florida, in my opinion. Here, There's here. 19 spots away. <laughs> South Carolina, 31, fourth in the East. Florida, Missouri, 50. Florida, Missouri, Florida. 50. <laughs> I think that's wrong. It's just insane that you jumped four teams to talk about Missouri being a threat to South Carolina. You are just because digging. No, because I think Missouri's a threat to Kentucky and Tennessee as well. I think Missouri is very well, dangerous. It's so weird that didn't come up earlier. Well. That's crazy. Maybe that, that one's for you, South Carolina. No, what I like about South Carolina... The quarterback could be great, and the weapons are elite. The offensive line, atrocious. The defense lost three NFL players. The coordinator they hired on offense is a giant question. And they play – this is the real issue with South Carolina. It has nothing to do with your team or your coach. You play the toughest schedule in the conference. That's it. The toughest schedule in the conference. You start with North Carolina, you finish with Clemson, and in between are eight SEC games. You are going to lose football games this year. You did not win last year. Unless – South, unless Spencer Rattler is elite in every game. Then you got nothing to worry about, and you're going to way outperform number 31. You're going to make me look like an idiot, which I do routinely on my own. And they're going to beat – they could beat Tennessee again. They could beat Kentucky again, and they could be in the top 15. But that requires Spencer Rattler to play Tennessee Spencer Rattler and Vanderbilt Spencer Rattler in every game. And we have not – just like we haven't seen it from Joe Milton, we have not seen it from Spencer Rattler yet. It is hard to, when you uh, transition between schools. It just takes time to fit into a system. Um, I do not think that Missouri is going to cause problems for South Carolina. I'm going to put it on the record. South Carolina can't beat them. And that's not me even talking about – that's not even me talking shit about Missouri because I'm not trying to do that either. I mean, why, do you, why do you hate Missouri? I don't. That's all I just and heard. And you couldn't even possibly That's muster up heard. enough evidence that I hate Missouri from every episode we've done if you tried. Um, so I do think that 
with South Carolina in general, if they can bounce back from like big hits going like being down or getting behind in games, it'll be a huge difference maker. Um, they just had trouble bouncing back from any sort of deficit. And so if they can kind of stay out in front of it and use like m momentum in the first half of the game to kind of lead, the, they just they just play better when they're up. Uh, um, so, but I do, I mean, I, I think this is a, a really <laughs> good team that uh, Braden just <laughs> literally gaslights every week. No, I think they're a good program on a great trajectory that plays a very difficult schedule and has an inconsistent quarterback. Those are all facts. Missouri has won four straight against South Carolina. South Carolina cannot beat them. And I don't Missouri think, is I think very that dangerous. Will change. This, I think I'm going to give it to them. Because action? Got, you want some action Lord on that? Lord knows they need some sort of hope in this. Okay. It's in the games in Missouri. I'm just saying. Uh, I don't think they've won in Columbia since 2017. This is absurd what you did here today. I know. I'm sorry. Look at this. I have a South Carolina hat on. Okay, though. so what? Doesn't it make it all better that I'm wearing a hat from South Carolina? No, it, this is literally why it's. I toxic. love South Carolina. This is literally why it's toxic. <laughs> so for for you're going on Feinbaum tomorrow, <laughs> and why don't you make it right I'm with South Carolina? I'm hosting Feinbaum this week on Wednesday. Oh, sorry. May 10th. It's a very big difference. Um, what should I say, South? To, uh, what should I say to make South Carolina fans of this show feel welcome? I am the cock commander. No, that's that? still sounding elitist as hell. You need to say, I have been, I have always been, I, I am and have always been the ultimate cocksucker. <laughs> I'd like to keep my job at ESPN, Aaron. You see, can't say cock I don't think I can that say cocksucker. That sounds like you're in charge. Can't say cocksucker on ESPN radio, guys. You, why don't you guys you, heard it here first. Why don't you wear my don't be a cocksucker shirt? It's but it's a, it's, not on it's a chicken it's not on TV. It's not and a lollipop. It's not on TV. They, you, you know me. They don't what put about, me on TV. <laughs> what, You're the only you, one dumb enough to put me on screen. <laughs> well, I'll regret it, I'm sure. With What about cock block? It cannot be commander. Uh, but cock block also is clearly a reference to male genitalia, and it's a penis. I can't do that on... You, don't you can't say cock on the radio. Bad? If you're saying it, it's like Shit's Creek. It's one of those weird things. Like if I say Shits Creek real fast, I can say it and the FCC can't get upset with me. If I say Shits Creek on ESPN Radio, I will get I will get an FCC fine because you can't say shit. I texted my friend who literally complains about you every week <laughs> and said, "Braden's going on Fine Bomb or sorry, uh. hosting Fine Bomb. What should we make him say to apologize?" And he said, "I'm assuming he's going on there specifically to denounce any excitement around the Carolina program." No. Maybe he's a cockadoodle doofus. That's not mean enough. I'm a cockadoodle doofus. Yeah. I can say that on the air. I don't think that's what he was saying, but I think I could I could do that. I think I that's could say that. Some may call it, yeah. I don't I know. Am, I think you okay, call I am I am a I don't want you to say that cockadoodle doofus. Douche. Cockadoodle doofus. Doofus. No, doofus. Um, let's. Okay, look. well, this isn't fun anymore because you won't say anything. Cool, I am so. will. I'm a cockadoodle doofus. Is not good enough for you. I thought I, I'm a cock commander. Was. was yeah, but that still sounds enough. like you're in, in ahead of them. Like you're in no, charge of them. No, no, it's, it's not. Very it's very reference. No, dictator ass. No, it's not. It's a reference to their. Mascot. I know what it is a reference All to, right. but it still doesn't. Number thirty three, Mississippi State, sixth in the West. What do you think? Yay or nay? I mean, should. How worried about Missouri should they be? Pretty damn Missouri. Pretty damn worried. Pretty damn Missouri. Missouri. <laughs> okay, God. 
Uh, number 33, Mississippi State. Um, listen, Zach Arnett got the job, obviously, in weird circumstances. Uh, very, very tough schedule. Very good at quarterback. They lost a couple of big-time NFL players. I, I think this is one where I think we're too high. I would move Mississippi State down probably behind Auburn. I would probably have Mississippi State last in the West. They're 33. We've got Auburn at 39, which is next. I don't. I think Mississippi State is going to – they've got a lot of reasons to like their team. I think they're going through – they're going to go through more adjustments than I think they realize. I just don't think you can take Mike Leach away from a program like that and then have it all just be fine. I, I don't know. That's – No, I mean, I think that's you giving due credit to Mike Leach. And, um, you know, I, I do think that from a motivation standpoint and probably team unity – as upsetting as that was for to lose Mike Leach, I'm sure it did a lot for the cohesion of the team in terms of kind of like sticking together. Um, from a uh, from the actual team itself in terms of football, I mean they they know that the defense is was strong last year, will be again. Is was very high in the SEC for like opponents like third down conversion. Um, you know, they're not really – they're kind of doing their job and getting back off the field, but we just have to see the offense do what they need them to do. Yeah, it's, they're a hard team to, to figure out. I just don't know if they have enough on both sides to to sit any higher in the rankings than you have them. I, I agree. And they want to run the football more, but they do they have the personnel to do that more with the new scheme, even though that's doing what Will Rogers doesn't do well necessarily. So, I don't know. Some of this Mississippi State conversation is tied to Auburn at 39, 7th in the West. I, I actually think Auburn, I would pick them ahead of Mississippi State because Hugh Freeze is worth something. He, he may be worth a scandal. He may be worth some weird DMs. He may be worth a lot of stuff to your community. But he is going to be worth a few wins. And I think they're going to win more games this year. They're going to be more dangerous this year right away. I don't know what the Peyton Thorne – transfer in from Michigan I don't know I think I think he's a fine player I don't know if he's specifically better than Robbie Ashford at running this 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 system I just think that you have to bake in a win or two with Hugh Freeze because he makes teams very good very quickly yeah I would that's why I'd have them ahead of Mississippi State and have them in that sixth spot instead of seventh but Athlon 39th in the length the rankings would Auburn fans take a top 40 season I don't. I think they'd be fine with that as long as it looks really I think promising. They just need to go in the right direction. Yes. Exactly. I mean Auburn. That wouldn't normally be enough for Auburn, but I think right now it'll have to be just getting going in the right direction and hoping you can continue to do that. Um, there's a couple of different like Peyton Thorns that they could get. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Um, it. You know, you can get the Michigan version, super efficient in terms of like you know, ratio of touchdowns, interceptions and percentages and all of that. Um, you can also get a, uh, a little bit more of a mistake ridden Peyton Thorne who tried to do too much with not enough backing on offense and it could go, it could go that direction as well. But at, at the core of it, they need a reliable arm if they're going to make any sort of real progress and start heading back in the right direction. So they'll just have to hope that Peyton Thorne can do that. And, and what's interesting about Thorne is I don't know if he can do the Hugh Freeze offense, but Hugh Freeze also beat Alabama with, like, Bo Wallace, you know? And he's better than Bo he's Wallace. He's going to have to. <laughs> yeah. like Now, I mean, Chad Kelly was in there, I think, uh, who won that game. But, like, Malik Willis is a picture-perfect Hugh Freeze quarterback. Ironically, I think a former Auburn commit. I think he – he is a pure athlete who's one read and go with a big arm and doesn't 
diagnose defenses particularly fast, and that is where like Robbie Ashford fits the offense more. Thorne is more of a pocket guy with a little bit of athleticism. So I don't know. I just think Auburn's better. I don't know how much better. I think they're top 40. I think they're sixth in the West, but I don't think they have the horses yet to compete in a very loaded SEC West. Uh, you know who's next on the list and who should be terrified of Missouri? Number 49, Florida. They're too high. They should be behind Missouri. Oh. I've said that to Stephen Lassen now three emails. I sent him emails. You're too low on Missouri. Show us the receipts. I, I can pull them I think up. you're trying to just I, no, I, get yourself out of this. I think Missouri people. should be like 32 and South Carolina 31. I think they should be dead even. I think Florida is the team that's significantly <laughs> behind everybody. I think Florida is the one that I'm worried about at 49. I'm not worried about South Carolina. I'm worried about Florida. Steven really put his foot down if you wanted Missouri at 32 and they I wanted, 50. Yes, Steven. It's all your fault, Steven. It's all your fault. No, I, I think Missouri, they return second most production of anybody in the conference behind only A&M. They have one of the best defenses in the entire conference. The quarterback is a major question, and that is the difference between Missouri and, like, all these other teams. We don't know much about the quarterback. It, can Brady Hook, Cooks hold on to the job? Uh, Florida, we don't know anything about the quarterback, but they also have a shitty defense. So, like, that's why I think it's stupid that we have <laughs> Athlon Sports. <laughs> I don't know why we have Florida ahead of Missouri. I, that's all Steven Lassen. I'm blaming you, buddy, throwing you under the bus. Um, I, they are similar in that they have giant questions at quarterback, Aaron, but one of them has a very, very good defense, and the other one is very, very bad on defense. I, I, to me, it's cut and dry. Missouri should be ahead of Auburn. They should be way up. I think Missouri's 15 spots too low. I think this is the one we missed on the most is Missouri. And that is not because of South Carolina. That's actually what I think. I actually think Missouri is the one that we got the most wrong. I, like, don't totally believe you, but. It's 1 million percent true. Okay. I mean, this is like my last year was like LSU is going to be way better than people think. The year before that was Kentucky. It's going to be way better than people think. This My team this year is Missouri. They are going to be way better than people think, okay. including my own magazine. <laughs> well. That's I don't know what you think of Florida, but go buy Athlon Sports. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, go buy uh, go buy Athlon Sports magazines. <laughs> um, it's Florida is looking more and more like themselves um, than they have. Missouri still can't win on the road. Um, fair. And you can't come out with you can't come out much better than bowl eligible if you can't win on the road. Yeah, and they've done the six and six thing for a while. Yeah, because they go three I, and thirteen. They've gone three and thirteen on the road. They gotta win road games. I think you're right. They won. Because it's like you know where they won like, last year on the road. It's like a round half. So like you're never gonna be better. You, you wanna know where they won last year on the road? South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, Missouri over Florida. That's all I'm saying. It has nothing to do with South Carolina or Auburn or Mississippi State or Kentucky. I think Missouri's way better than we think. I think Florida has bigger questions and a longer build than we thought when they fired Dan Mullen, which is frankly makes me dead wrong about Dan Mullen. Fine with saying that. Uh, I just think Missouri's super interesting. So it's all about the quarterback play. If they find a quarterback and their guy hits, they're going to be good. Really good. Just watch. Holy just shit. Watch. I'm dreading this episode coming out. Okay. South Carolina 31, Missouri 32, Florida 50. That you would be my order. You just said Missouri. Okay, move on. This is just, it's, it's almost too much. I'm not picking Missouri ahead of South Carolina. I just think Missouri is the team that's going to cause some headaches in the, in the East. Have I said the word Missouri enough on the show? Why do you hate Missouri so much? No, you're just like, you're just stirring. You're just making things confusing because you're dropping these little insults and you're stirring them all together. And then South Carolina fans are, you know, just upping their therapy from once a week to twice a nobody, week and three times a week. Nobody cares just, what I have to say. 
about South Carolina. <laughs> I wish that was true. Missouri, South Carolina, Kentucky, all y'all are coming for Tennessee. How about that? I think Tennessee's too high. I think Missouri's too low. And everybody else is about the same. How, How about that? Get here. Okay. Florida's at the back. Florida's okay, do down with Vanderbilt. Do you want to talk about Vanderbilt? Florida's not? down with Vanderbilt. 69th. Nice. In our rankings. Vanderbilt. Yeah. It's, that's correct. I would hammer the over. Three and a half. I'd take the over too. I would hammer the over. Like we did. We like both we said got that last right year. last year. Yeah, we said last year. And hammer it was two and a half last year. Hammer the over on Vanderbilt. Clark Lee will win at least four or five games. If we, Yeah. You winning a Vanderbilt fan hammering the over and winning $20 or whatever you bet might be <laughs> the best thing that happens to you as a Vanderbilt Why fan. Why do you insult here. my gambling? Why do you insult me no, that not wasn't being actually, a degenerate? That wasn't directed at you because you don't okay. bet that high. I was going to say, I'm not a degenerate. That should be a positive thing. You should, you should view me Easy as... Easy now. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Okay. Vanderbilt beat Kentucky on the road and Florida last year. I... That is quite an accomplishment. So I think they could do two more wins but this year. But not mean, mighty mean Missouri. No, they lost by three to Missouri, and they could not touch South Vanderbilt, Carolina. Oh, sorry, how much did Vanderbilt lose Carolina. to Missouri by? Three? Three points, yep. Okay. South Carolina beat them by 11. So obviously South Carolina way better. I don't know what we're doing anymore. I don't either. <laughs> if you're coming to Nashville, uh, or if your future spouse is coming to Nashville, which we know all of them are, because I live here and I can see them. Yes. Um, as do you. And they want to have a party in a cool spot that's going to end up with like really cool visuals, because that's what you have to do on bachelorette parties. You need some photography, right? Yep. You need maybe some video shot. You want to be walking distance to places where you can drink bushwhackers. You, yes. You come to Cast Collective right here in this beautiful building, and you let Aaron take care of you. Yep. Where can they find you? The Cast Collective on Instagram. Um, pretty thecastcollective.com. Um, phone numbers on the website. There you go. I work 24 hours a day. Call me anytime. It's a lot of hours. Yeah. It's too many. Where can they follow you? The Aaron Dugan on Twitter and Aaron underscore Dugan on Instagram. Thank you, KJ Jefferson, for joining us today on the show. We've got some cool stuff planned for you guys next week on uh, a very special episode. Speaking of Feinbaum, Feinbaum coming up on the show. So we're going to talk with Paul Feinbaum uh, coming up here in a couple of days. Uh, otherwise, thank you all for listening. Check out the YouTube page, rate, review, subscribe, do all that great stuff, turn on the notifications. Of course, um, I am a cockadoodle doofus. Thanks for listening. Hot sucker.